Hello and welcome to Solid Ground Church. If you're new around here, my name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor and you're in for a treat today. We're going to enjoy some worship together and hear a very encouraging message. And before we do that, let's hand it off. We've got some exciting things I want you to know about. We're just days away from the kickoff of SG's sizzling summer activities. But our kickoff isn't a kickoff. It's more like a first pitch, because we're heading down to the epicenter for a Quakes game on July 2nd. Come see Tremor's crazy antics and dance moves. Sample fine cuisine like $2 hot dogs, $1 sodas, and $1 ice cream sandwiches. And, uh, oh yeah, there's a ball game. (laughs) Tickets are just $11, and they're available through the office. Just call or email, and we'll get you set up. Then, on August 5th, we'll be getting together to discuss a great book called Resilient. If the madness of modern life and all its personal, political, and social conflict is taking its toll on you, well, this book is just what you need to bolster your spirit and find the strength to thrive through the storm. Again, the discussion will happen on August 5th, but you'll want to start working through the book right away. We have copies in the office for $15, or you can order it on Amazon, where there's also a Kindle version for just $11. There are more sizzling summer events coming up. You can find out all about them by visiting sgbic.com, along with the latest on all our activities. You can also link to our YouTube channel where you can catch up on all our messages and check out Mike's weekly online devotional and our video blog, Potluck. And be sure to like and subscribe. It's the internet equivalent of inviting people to church. Now, back to Pastor Mike. So there's a lot of great stuff going on here at Solid Ground. I hope you can be a part of it. And I wanted to thank those of you who donate to Solid Ground for making things like that possible. In addition, did you know that 10 cents out of every dollar donated to Solid Ground goes right back out to support other ministries and relief efforts all around the world? So if you're new around here, please feel no pressure to give. But if you consider Solid Ground Church your home, the quickest and easiest way to give is at sgbic.com. So will you please join me for prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, We thank you very much for the breath in our lungs. We thank you for the life that we have. And today, would you please open our eyes and make us aware of all of the ways that you are with us. May we hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. For the God I serve knows only how to triumph Oh my God will never fail That's right My God will never fail I'm gonna see a victory He will win 
sorry when I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry when I just sing another song. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. I'm sorry. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now 
And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Good morning. I wanted to start off with a story from the book that we are reading this summer called Resilient. And it's a true story of Bill, Chris, Harry, and Rick who climbed Mount Hood on May 30th, 2002. It was a perfect day for hiking the snowy Mount Hood, using ice axes, ropes, and crimpons to dig deep into the snow. They had finished the summit with high fives and they were beginning their descent. For some reason, they decided to pull their anchor of safety that tied them to the mountain and attempt to walk down while only roped to each other. A string of weary men. The top man at the very top fell and with 30 feet of rope, he was going 30 miles an hour by the time it hit the next guy. As much as they tried to anchor themselves to the mountain and save their falling friend, the force of the fall was too great. One by one, all four climbers were ripped from the mountain as they fell. Not only did they fall, but they swept two more teams of climbers off the mountain into their tangled fall before sliding into a deep crevasse. Three climbers died that day. Six were injured. Not only that, but during the attempted rescue, an Air Force Reserve rescue helicopter crashed into the mountain. The helicopter lost lift, dipped to the southwest, and impacted its nose first into the mountain and rolled eight times down into the mountain's crater. The accident injured the five crew on board, um, but only one seriously. Amazingly, none of them were killed. But the mistake that the climbers made, their simple mistake, had big, big consequences. Why would they descend in such a risky manner? Why would they risk their lives and the lives of others? You see, they were tired. They were dehydrated. They were hypoxic, which just is a fancy word for meaning low oxygen in their blood. They were hypoglycemic from the extreme exhaustion of climbing the mountain and possibly even hypothermic from the cold. They were on the edge. Each one of these would be a problem, but together they really impaired their judgment. And their, when their judgment was impaired, sometimes we follow the path of least resistance and we miss things. We do things that we think aren't going to be a big thing, but they can be. 
And we all do this. We all follow the path of least resistance from time to time. You see, they weren't making clear decisions, and they totally underestimated the risk. Following the path of least resistance in some cases is okay. Life is meant to be have its rhythms of ups and downs. And in low-risk situations, it may not be a problem. Taking the path of least resistance uh, may work when you're choosing the aisle, which aisle at the groceries checkout. I mean, I highly recommend it. Go to the easiest one, the fastest one. Maybe it's the self-checkout. But when our default is just to always go the path of least resistance and take the easy way out, we begin to skim and we set ourselves up for failure. You know, like driving your car when you're tired or drowsy is like driving drunk. It's rolling the dice with your life and anyone else who's on the road with you. But just like the four hikers on the side of the mountain, there are moments in our lives where doing the easiest thing is the worst thing, the most dangerous thing. And scripture reminds us of this in many different ways. Today, we're going to look at the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 to 3. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps and did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took their oil in jars with them with their lamps. And the bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here comes the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all of the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise ones, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for us and for you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way out to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived, and the virgins who were ready went with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I do not know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Now, whenever I first heard this passage, I was often confused by it. Why do some people get left out? You see, Jesus doesn't take time to explain all of the details of this story. Instead, he allows the last sentence to be the primary meaning. Keep watch. Be ready. Have margin. Be prepared. And now I think the oil is meant to represent God's presence with us. Throughout scriptures, the Holy Spirit is connected with oil. We know we are meant to, to be filled with the Spirit, with God's presence. And if we add to that the reality that C.S. Lewis pointed out, that God is the fuel the human soul runs on, I think this parable makes sense. Our soul and spirit is something that we are meant to watch closely as a treasured possession something that we are meant to tend to so that, that we don't burn out. In life, when we run out of oil, we stop relying on God and we start skimming. 
It's the moment when we are just functioning in our own strength or are flying by the seat of our pants. I start running off of the fumes of past spiritual highs and connections rather than taking time to be refreshed and connected to the vine. And it leads to burnout. Burnout is a major problem in our world today, and it, and it can be a problem in my life. Um, and, and this is something that God has been speaking to me and convicting me about recently, and so that's why I wanted to dig into this this morning. Because I know that I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of following the path of least resistance. And what, is, what does skimming really look like in our daily lives? How does it look in my life, in your life? And, and I know the first way that it shows up in my life is not listening. Like the hikers on the mountain, when I get distracted by the stress of daily life, my brain stops listening and functioning at its full potential. I miss things. I miss what's going on all around me. The hikers had the excuse of oxygen deprivation. For me, it's often stress, exhaustion, and just not listening to my wife, just ask her. I, I sometimes listen to respond and not really to understand. I don't always take the time to, to really listen to people and to, I, I miss the point. I miss the point of really connecting to that other person when I begin to skim. And I, and I break things down to their simplest parts and, and I begin to label things that I can quickly put them into categories and, and label this and that and make quick snap decisions. And it's the meme life. It's where we live by these, these kind of quick little witty memes where we oversimplify things down to the catchphrases rather than listening to the nuance. Now, if you remember back in the day on old radios, you used to be able to listen in mono or stereo. And, and it's like listening to life in mono in one ear rather than in stereo. When we listen in mono, we simply look for rules to live by that, that allow us to, lead, or to, to, to make quick snap decisions and to judge people and to label them and to put them into boxes of who's in and who's out. That's what we do when we listen in mono. But when we listen in stereo, in surround sound, things are, are much more complex, but we, we, we take the time to listen, to truly understand. And as a result, it's a much fuller life, a life of God's messy grace. And so the takeaway here is, is a, a little bit of a practical advice from James chapter 1, verse 19. He says this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You see, we need to be active listeners where we, where we repeat back, did, did I really understand when you said this or that? Where we are present with other people, where we have time for people. But you see, one of the dangers of not listening well is that when we do respond, we, we, we tend to offer advice that is trite and not true. And that's the second point. When we're skimming through life, we offer lots of trite advice. And I don't know about you, but, but I get frustrated when this happens to me. When, when people don't really listen and they offer a platitude, oh, it just it gets under my skin and it bugs me, right? And, and Christian platitudes can be especially unhelpful and at times 
hurtful. Maybe you've been there. And it's this Christianized advice or cultural advice that doesn't really ring true to our situation or often even to the whole of Scripture. And our life group has been going through a Bible study called Trite Not True, and it has just been so helpful to me. And there's so many different series and chapters to this study, and I just, I've loved it. But some of the ones that we've looked at is, maybe you've heard this one, when God closes a door, he opens a window. That's not even in scripture. It comes from the sound of music. And it's a great line, right? But wrongly applied can be really hurtful at times. Or maybe this one, God never gives you more than you can handle. Okay, you know, with the right nuances, that is often true. But how did that work for the disciples? 11 of the 12 disciples were martyred for their faith. And at least one of them, or one of the last one died in exile. Like that was more than they could handle. And these trite sayings don't resonate with the fullness of, of truth of scripture. They're like plastic sayings that we pass around to make ourselves feel better. But what does God say? God says in his word in John 16, he says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Man, that has been so helpful to me in so many of my struggles of life. God is, is warning us in this life, you're going to have difficulty. You're going to have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I will be with you. You see, trite sayings may be true in some circumstances, but wrongly applied, it can be dangerous or hurtful. And mostly they come from our human desire to fix someone or something rather than sitting and being present with them in their time of need and allowing God to do the deep work of transformation in our lives. You see, we are called to participate with God, to be slow to speak. And then when we do speak a word in season, that we speak to the questions that our friends are actually asking. It's, it's a moment where we sit with them and we walk with them. And that has been so valuable for me when someone did that for me. And maybe you've experienced that too. We want to be that kind of people who are deep friends, who are there in the difficult times. Not the friends that just kind of skim by offering trite little sayings. You see, most of all, skimming doesn't prepare us for hard times. There's no margin for error and we're running from crisis to crisis. And the truth is, we sometimes need to slow down. We need to roll up our sleeves and get messy. We need to dig into the hard things and the difficult things of Scripture, the difficult things of life, because it's in the mess that we meet God, that He shows up in His grace in our messy, broken world. So what are we called to do? We are called to embrace rhythms of grace. Part of the reason that God calls us to Sabbath in our world and in our lives is, is so that we slow down and become unhurried. So often I get caught up in rushing and rushing till life's no fun. You know, all we got to do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and don't know why. 
Okay, some of you caught that. That's a country song lyric. But seriously, that's what we're called to do. We're called to slow down and to Sabbath. You see, most sports injuries come from overtraining. This is true in so many areas of life, and Scripture knew that. We need to learn to listen to our bodies physically, emotionally, and most importantly, spiritually. We're called to slow down, to rest, to recharge, and to reconnect with our source of life, and to stay connected to the vine, as Jesus says in John 15. But I want us to look at another passage, and it's um, from Psalm 84, and it says this. Psalm 84, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young. A place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. I love this passage for a variety of different reasons. There's so many cool things in this passage, but I love these these verses, five and six. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimages as they pass through the valley of Baca. What was the valley of Baca? The valley of Baca was an arid valley near Jerusalem where there were many tombs, and it was known as a place of weeping, a place of deep sorrow and grief. Not unlike in Psalm 23, where it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And yet, even in this desert place, a place of death, a place of weeping, God was promising that there would be pools of water. We need that. Both figuratively and literally, we need that. And in a literal sense, I mean, Every year that I have lived here, except for one or two, since I moved to Southern California, we've been in a season of drought, right? You know, and it felt like every few days, there was another story about how we needed to conserve water. And we needed to water our grass on certain days and not on other days. And then our grass would went brown and died and the streams were drying up too. And it was so bad that the drought was affecting our reservoirs, especially Lake Mead, where we get a lot of our water. Now, a reservoir is a massive body of water. It needs to run deep, and it functions best from a place of overflow. Yet Lake Mead, which is behind the mighty Hoover Dam, where they stopped up the Colorado River, is in a desperate situation. Its low status has caused damage to the ecosystem of the lake, to the boaters, to the fish to the economies of the people who depend on the lake for the boat docks and everything, not to mention the farmers downstream and those who depend on the dam's electricity. It's in a hard place right now. So when the lake is full, it brings life and blessing to all those around it. This is how vital those reservoirs are. And God is using that analogy of of a reservoir to remind people that our need for Sabbath, 
to fill our spiritual reservoirs. You see, in Psalm 84, God is reminding people that even in the valley of hard times, which we will face, there can be rest and pools of water, like a reservoir that provides for us in our time of desperation and need. We need rest. And we need rest on, on, on the daily. We need to find moments in the middle of your day where you can slow down and smell the roses. Maybe it's just five minutes to start your day in prayer. But there could be a variety of different things. You know, like kids and pets really help us with this. My daughter loves to smell the roses or run off and do things. And it's often inconvenient, but the inconvenience is what I need. And if you have a pet, they're the same way when they come up and lay on your lap. And you just sit there and pet them and the stress of life just seems to maybe not go away, but it just comes down a couple of notches, right? They help us connect to what it means to be human. And we need multiple touches like this throughout each and every day. We need rhythms of grace daily. But we also need rhythms of grace weekly. Time to, to, to really rest, to, to have fun with friends and family and ways in which we find life. And I know that I can be guilty of struggling to slow down. I mean, let me just get ahead on this next project. Of, when I have a moment, let me get ahead of this next thing. It'll help me next week. I, I, t I always tell myself. But, but I need to slow down and to spend time with God and just maybe go for a walk or pray or seek Him and just disconnect from social media, disconnect from so many other things, from the stress of life. We need those rhythms both on a daily and weekly seasons. What's even more is we need those seasons in life where we go on vacation, you know? Like, all of us need seasons where we get refilled. I was reading an article uh, from a business journal just this week where it says, vacations are essential for strong bonds and a productive workforce and a fulfilled life. But each year, more than half of Americans leave vacation time on the table accumulating to somewhere around 768 million days in 2018. That's amazing. 768 million days of vacation that are just sitting there waiting to be used. We all need time for our souls to be restored. Not just so that we can go to, back to work and be more productive, although that's good, but that's not really the point. The point is so that, that we can do something that connects us to God, to nature and to our families, and, and to allow us to really tap into that creative side of our brain. God knew that this would be good for us, for our souls, and we need to care for our souls in seasons, every week, and every day. And trust me, I know that this is easier said than done. In fact, I'm actually really bad at this. Just ask, ask my wife. But, but it's something that I'm learning that I know that I need to do over and over again, that I need to find these rhythms of grace. There are seasons in life. And I don't want you to feel guilty about the season that you're in. Maybe you're in a really particularly stressful season or you're coming out of one as a teacher, whatever it is, but we are all broken in some way. And brokenness is a part of the season of the desert, right? 
And, and this isn't about guilting ourselves for not being in Scripture enough. I should go to church more often, or I should do this, or I, I should give more, I should do this, I should do that. Stop shooting on yourself. We are called to walk in grace and to take time to just receive from God, right? Jesus was once talking to a woman at a well. And she was so full of guilt and shame and all of the things that she should do or didn't do or hadn't done. And, and he just looked at her and said to, to her this. He, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This is grace to rest in the work of God and to allow God and His Spirit to continue to fill us in all of the broken places in our lives. Stop shooting on yourself or trying to fix yourself to be someone else or to be the ideal person at work or to be the ideal person on Instagram or whatever it is. We always have, man, I, if I was only more like this person or more like that person, you can never earn this kind of grace. We are human beings, not human doings, and we are made in the image of God, and we need to learn to rest in Him. We may be broken, but, and you may have heard me say this quote before from Billy Graham, he says this, the only way to keep a broken vessel full is to keep it under the source. I love that. To keep it under the source, to stay connected to Jesus. God, just in my brokenness, will you walk with me today? Will you fill me today? God, I want to find ways to connect, stay connected to you and to bring my mind back to you in a daily, every day, like multiple times throughout the day, Lord. I want to be reminded of your grace, that I can't earn this, that I just need to receive from you and to do my part, but then to just, just to leave it at your feet. God, every week, I want to take time out of my schedule to just be with you, to be in your presence. Rhythms of grace and then to take time, you know, periodically to go on a vacation or take a weekend away or to do something. But you see, God wants something for me. God wants something for you and his, his scriptures continue to remind us the importance of taking time to be with him because I rarely realize how tired and drained I really am. I'm just skimming through life, not realizing the dangers that lie around the corner like the men who were hiking down that day. They thought they had already done the dangerous point by ascending the mountain. They're coming down. This is the easy part, you see? But when I spend time with God, I realize how drained I was and how refreshing it is to be with Him. And every time I walk away, I go, man, why don't I do this more? That was so good. And so remember that feeling. Remember that sense of, God, I want to walk in alignment with you. I want to stay refreshed. I want to stay connected to the source so that my reservoir is full. You see, when we have a full reservoir, it not only fills us up, but it allows us to be the kind of people who are a blessing to so many others. A big reservoir, and thank God our reservoirs here in California are mostly now full from the recent rains this year. But what a blessing that is. It's a blessing to so many that we have water. In the same way, if we would be that kind of a people, 
who are full and ready to be looking for an opportunity to pour out God's gifts in our lives to others. Because just like the hikers on the mountain, when we skim, we set ourselves up to hurt ourselves and others by our our inability to listen and by our trite responses. Because we aren't aware of, of how fake we come across sometimes. When we're just skimming through life, right? Psalm 84 reminds us that times of drought are coming. We need to prepare. We need to prepare for our own souls, and we need to prepare for our culture and for our world. We are entering a spiritual drought in our country, and we need, we are living in a desert, and we need reservoirs and rhythms of God's grace so that we can be ready for what God wants to do in and through each and every one of us. Now, I recognize that I am preaching to myself this morning, but God's word is inviting us to something beautiful, to a relationship where we move beyond guilt to grace and we walk with him, connected to the oil of life, the spirit flowing in and through us where there is more than enough. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, but I feel empty, I feel cracked, I feel broken, I believe that God wants to invite us this morning to receive from him. And that quote from Billy Graham again, the only way to keep a broken vessel full is to keep it constantly under the source. So as we close, I wanna pray for each and every one of us. that We will be receiving from him and feel full and rich this morning because God loves you and he wants to meet with you this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for your word, which speaks a fresh word to each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that you would come and fill all of the broken areas of our life. God, even when we are walking through the valley of Baca, the valley of brokenness this morning, if we are are dry and burned out, God, if we're just skimming through life, Lord, I pray that you would meet us this morning and begin to fill us afresh and anew with your Holy Spirit. God, we come to you with our lives. We open our hands before you and we surrender our life to you. Come and fill me afresh and new. God, we are all in need of your grace and your life and your truth. Come and fill us so that we can be reservoirs living rhythms of grace in our world, in our community, through solid ground, through Rancho Cucamonga, and throughout this nation. God, we want to be a light that speaks something true to this community and to this world. God, help us to be your hands and your feet today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Know that we love you and that we're praying for you. If there's anything that we can do, please don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to connect with you more. May you have a great and wonderful day. And may you go in the grace of God. May he fill you, equip you, and send you out into this world. In Jesus' name, have a great day.